Hark how the bells, sweet silver bells, all seem to say, throw cares away. Christmas is here, bringing good cheer to young and old, meek and the bold. Welcome to our Curious Travels, a tourist guide to dark travel destinations around the globe. Join us as we explore dark history and sites related to death and destruction. We hope we can get to know one another along the way. Our names are Fred and Steven, and we are from San Antonio, Texas. We are a couple who enjoy traveling the world, curious of the dark and often seldom told stories of history. Today we're visiting North Carolina to cover pet cemeteries, death positive burial, the Charlie Lawson Christmas Day murder of 1929, along with the Charlie Lawson Murder Museum and burial site. Trigger warning, this episode contains violent depictions of a murder, as well as the murder of multiple children. Dark lore has long been associated with Christmas, dating back to ancient times. For many of us, Christmas is overly bright and cheerful. Let's be honest, for some of us, Christmas really isn't that bright and cheerful. It can be stressful and or lonely time for many of us. While the holidays can be fun, often stress is involved. As a child, Christmas time was always associated with cleaning the family plot at the cemetery and setting up Christmas flowers for deceased family. I usually helped for a bit and then ended up climbing trees and collecting pine cones and offerings for the graves in the cemetery. Visiting the cemetery during the Christmas holidays was important to my family. It gave us a way to honor memories of the past, to reconnect with loved ones, and to just spend time in nature surrounded by beauty. For that reason, we thought during this holiday season we could visit a few cemeteries and share a dark Christmas story as well. One of the darkest Christmas stories that comes to mind is the story of Ebenezer Scrooge from A Christmas Carol, a holiday classic that's been around since 1843 when Charles Dickens first published the classic in London. It depicts an old man who is stingy and wealthy. After visits from multiple ghosts, Scrooge must confront who he's tragically become. Scrooge sees how his actions affect others, how he contributes to the pain and suffering of people around him. At some point, a spirit shows him that if he continues on this way, he will die a sad and lonely death. Scrooge is eventually led by a spirit to a cemetery. Scrooge approaches the grave and reads the inscription, Ebenezer Scrooge. Appalled, Scrooge clutches at the spirit and begs him to undo the events of this nightmarish vision. He promises to honor Christmas from deep within his heart and to live by the moralizing lessons of past, present, and future. Today, let's keep in the tradition of this beloved story and attempt to honor the past, present, and future. Baps Thor entered our hearts with the popular TLC show entitled My Big Fat Fabulous Life. When we saw how Babs, or Barbara Thor's daughter, Whitney Way Thor, began approaching end-of-life cure for her mother on My Big Fat Fabulous Life, we were inspired. The Thor family shared their life with the cameras for years. When life got hard, they continued to share with the public, even on sensitive subjects like death. When Babs Thor passed, the Thor family let the cameras be part of the funeral. They were critiqued and even belittled for doing so. However, we believe they shared their truth, 
They shared their love at a time in which they lost the matriarch of their family. It was raw. But it allowed the public to see death and to see how death works. The simple act helps the public to understand death, hopefully making us all a little bit more comfortable around death over time. We appreciated the Thor family sharing these death-positive moments with us. The term, the death-positive movement, was coined and popularized by funeral director Caitlin Doty in 2011. But many of the movement's conceptual roots can be found dating back to the 1970s, including the beginnings of the hospice movement. Caitlin Doty is a mortician, writer, and advocate for funeral industry reform. In 2011, she founded the nonprofit The Order of the Good Death. She is obviously a woman who has inspired our own research, writing, and tours. The concept of approaching death with a positive outlook has always been how I've approached being a cemetery tour guide. I believe it's important to approach death with positivity and respect. You can visit Bab's Thor for yourself at Westminster Garden Cemetery and Crematory at 3601 Whitehurst Road, Greensboro, North Carolina. Please note that Find a Grave has the wrong cemetery listed for her burial site. Bab's Thor is interned at Westminster Cemetery. The cemetery is peaceful and beautiful. The staff were friendly and said hello to us. The mausoleum where Babs is buried is peaceful. We absolutely love Babs' epitaph, America's mom. It couldn't have been more fitting. In fact, her daughter shared this, a part of a tribute she posted for her mom. If you're reading this, you're familiar with her magic, her southern charm, her hilarious sense of humor, her well-timed witty remarks, her beauty, and her ability to make everyone around her feel comfortable and cared for. During the holidays, it's pretty common for us to think and even miss family members that have passed. It's also common to visit cemeteries for the holidays and to lay a wreath, flowers, or other tokens at a grave. Not only do we miss family, but sometimes we miss our four-legged friends that have also passed. Pets are often well-treasured and loved, and the idea of losing a pet can be more than painful. However, a beautiful tradition of pet cemeteries in America exists, in hopes of making the burden a little more comforting. Some of us may even have flashbacks to Stephen King's pet cemetery when we even mention the words. But a pet cemetery is simply a cemetery, especially for pets. Although the veneration and burial of beloved pets has been practiced since ancient times, burial grounds reserved specifically for animals were not common into the late 19th century. Burials at pet cemeteries were originally a privilege of the wealthy and or celebrities. America's largest and oldest pet cemetery is the Hartsdale Pet Cemetery in Hartsdale, New York. The cemetery dates back to 1896, when a veterinarian working out of Manhattan offered to let a grieving pet owner bury her dog in his hillside apple orchard. Today, it is the final resting place for more than 70,000 animals. The site was listed on a National Register of Historic Places in 2012. In September of 2023, a book called Hartsdale Pet Cemetery, the oldest pet cemetery in the U.S., was published. Michelle and Sean Whiteley put together a beautiful book detailing the history and many of the pets buried in the cemetery. The photos in the book are stunning. You can find it on Amazon.com or other fine book retailers. Human cultures throughout time buried animal remains. 
The ancient Egyptians mummified and buried cats, which they considered deities. The oldest known pet cemetery, mainly used for cat burials, was found during the excavation of the Berenice Troglodytica seaport in 2011 and was used between the 1st and 2nd centuries. Archaeologists have found that dogs were buried alongside humans in Siberia as many as 8,000 years ago. The Ashkelon Dog Cemetery is the largest known dog cemetery in the ancient world, was discovered at the Ashkelon National Park in Ashkelon, Israel. Animals and pets have been beloved for thousands of years. We're a culture of people who have created a place of honor and enjoyment for our furry friends. Pet cemeteries are meant to give us comfort and keep the memories of our furry family members alive throughout time. That's why we wanted to share a pet cemetery we found on this road trip. We visited Triad Pet Cremation and Cemetery at 3903 Hunt Chase Drive, Greensboro, North Carolina. The cemetery was established in September of 1999. Their website shares that they have 11 beautiful acres. Five of those acres are developed for burial sites, while the remaining six acres are woodland. And the woodland part of the cemetery is a habitat for wildlife. Deer, rabbit, squirrels, fox, groundhogs, chipmunks, and a host of birds and more. We found the grounds were beautiful and peaceful, situated along tall, gorgeous trees. The ground creeper greeted us with warmth, and when we arrived, she even gave love and hugs to our dog, Sam, who travels with us. The staff invited us into their office. The caretaker told us that the cemetery has been around for 25 years, even before the neighborhood was built. We asked her about the basic cost of pet burial. She told us it varies, but it can start around $1,100. We strolled took photos, and our dog Sam enjoyed the peaceful and beautiful trees. She smelled everything she could. We will post photos on our social media. For many of us, pets are family, and we establish relationships that are strong. If you've recently lost a pet, we want to take a few moments to give you our condolences. Just about 30 minutes away from Greensboro is a small town called Germantown. In Germantown, you can find the Browder Family Cemetery. The cemetery is sort of hidden and technically on private property, but seems to be safe enough just to drive straight to the cemetery for a visit. The unpaved road leading to the cemetery is located at the northeast corner of Brook Cove Road and North Carolina Highway 8. There is no clear entrance sign for the cemetery off the road. The entrance is between a barn and a trailer. You just follow the road till you see the cemetery in the distance. The cemetery is well taken care of. We spotted flowers at many of the grave sites. As you walk around, you will notice a monument where eight family members of the Lawson family all died and were buried together. You might notice their death dates all bear Christmas Day, 1929. The family plot itself is serene and beautiful. The headstone inscription reads, not now, but in the coming years, it will be a better land. We'll read the meaning of our tears, and then sometime, we'll understand. Whenever I come across a plot where multiple people in the same family all died on the same day, it piques my curiosity. This is a story of Charlie Lawson. Charlie Lawson committed a horrendous act of famicide, which took place on December 25, 1929, in which tobacco farmer 
Charles Davis, or Charlie Lawson, murdered his wife and six of his seven children. In 1929, days prior to Christmas, Charlie, age 43, took Fanny, his wife, who was 37 at the time, and their seven children, Arthur, age 16. Note, there is a discrepancy on Arthur's grave, making him appear to be older than he was. Often his age is recorded at 19 at the time of the incident. Marie, age 17. Carrie, age 12. Mabel, age 7. James, age 4. Raymond, age 2 and Mary Lou, aged four months, into town to buy new clothes and to have a family portrait taken. This would have been an unusual occurrence for a working-class rural family of the era, which has led to speculations that Charlie's act was premeditated. We will share this photo on our social media. It was rumored that he had impregnated his eldest daughter, Marie. Charlie had also suffered a variety of illnesses and injuries that some believe could have been a factor in the incident. Charlie first shot his daughters, Carrie and Maybelle, as they were setting out to their uncle and aunt's house. He waited for them by the tobacco barn until they were in range, shot them with a 12-gauge shotgun, then ensured that they were dead by bludgeoning them. He placed the bodies in the tobacco barn. Afterwards, Charlie returned to the house and shot Fanny, who was on the porch. The clock in the house froze at 1.25 p.m. when she was killed. Most likely the clock component stopped due to the gunshot blast. As soon as the gun was fired, Marie, who was inside, screamed while the two small boys, James and Raymond, attempted to find a hiding place. Charlie shot Marie and then found and killed the two boys. Lastly, he killed the baby, Mary Lou. She was bludgeoned to death. After killing each of his family members, the only survival was his eldest son, 16-year-old Arthur. Arthur had been rabbit hunting when he ran out of ammunition, and his father had sent him to Germantown to buy more. The bodies of the family members were found with their arms crossed and rocks under their heads. The chilling scene was discovered by family visiting for Christmas. When the bodies were discovered, Charlie was missing. About 5 p.m. that day, the crowd heard a gunshot signaling Charlie's own suicide. Many people had already learned of the murders on the property and had gathered there. A bonfire was built outside for the crowd. Police and family members were comforting Arthur by the fire. And a police officer who was with Arthur Lawson ran down to discover Charlie's body along with letters to his parents. As footprints encircled the tree, as if Charlie had been pacing around the tree prior to taking his life. The crowds quickly grew at the Lawson family house. In fact, the next day, people from Germantown wanted to see the crime scene. Many people account walking through the log cabin and witnessing the bloodstains in the days after. The family table, in fact, still had a part of their morning meal on top. People were known to take rocks, even parts of the cabin itself, and other small items from the property. Marie, who was 17 at the time, had baked a raisin cake to celebrate Christmas, and it was sitting on the family table. People actually stole the raisins off the cake as mementos. We will include a raisin cake recipe on social media that would have been very similar to the recipe Marie used Christmas Day, 1929. Feel free to try the recipe for yourself. Marie iced her cake with a confectioner's sugar concoction and used raisin on top to decorate the cake. Later, Christmas evening, the bodies of the Lawson family were taken to the Knight Funeral Home in Madison, North Carolina. 
The reason was because they had an elevator, and there was an unusual amount of bodies to be transported upstairs where the funeral parlor was located. T.B. Knight was the owner of the funeral home, and it was Mr. Knight who bathed, embalmed, dressed, and prepared each of the Lawson family for burial. After the bodies were embalmed and prepared, a family member would then go to the casket display room and select the casket. The body was usually returned to the family's home for viewing. The Lawsons presented a unique problem. There were eight bodies and seven caskets. Therefore, they could not be sent home for their viewing due to the sheer number. There was no room at the Lawson family home, so the bodies were taken to the Yelton funeral home for the viewing. Yelton had ample room for the viewing, multiple bodies, but did not have an elevator. The bodies were viewed at Yelton the following day. Both were located nearby. On the day of the funeral, the bodies were taken in seven horses to the Browder Cemetery for the funeral. Since the funeral was not held at the home or in a church, the caskets were open for the viewing at the cemetery, as was a practice at the time. Thousands attended the funeral. All of the family were buried in a mass grave. The youngest member of the family, three-month-old Mary Lou, was buried in her mother's arms. The hymn, Jesus, Lover of My Soul, was sung a cappella by thousands in attendance. It was a very cold day, and the services were kept short. After the funeral, the Lawson home began to attract the curious. Charlie Lawson's brother, Marianne Lawson, charged people to go in the house, historian Kenny Rohrer said. He charged them a quarter to tour the house. The money was to go to help the lone survivor, 16-year-old Arthur Lawson, keep the family farm. Marion, Charlie's brother, saw an opportunity to help Arthur make a living after losing all of his family. Visitors could buy souvenir pamphlets for a quarter. They also offered souvenir photographs of the crime scene. There was even a song written about the murders. As an added attraction, Kid Smith, the man who wrote and sang the Ballad of the Lawson Family Murder, would occasionally perform the song live on the front porch. We're going to play you a small part of the ballad. The home opened just about every Sunday for around five years. The home was eventually disassembled, and the wood used for the home was later used to create a small bridge nearby. We actually got to see the small bridge from a distance, and we'll attach the photos on our social media. Tragically, Arthur Lawson would die at the age of just 35. He was killed in 1945 by a motor accident, leaving a wife and four children. Arthur is buried right next to the rest of his family 
in the Browder Family Cemetery. Much of what we learned about the incident came from the book White Christmas, Bloody Christmas, the story of the Lawson family murders of Christmas Day, 1929, by father-daughter duo Trudy J. Smith and M. Bruce Jones. We also learned from The Meaning of Our Tears, the true story of the Lawson family murders of Christmas Day, 1929, by Trudy J. Smith. Today, dark and curious travelers can still connect with the tragedy at the Charlie Lawson Murder Museum in Madison, North Carolina. The museum is situated inside Madison Dry Goods. The neighborhood is a charming area that's perfect for a stroll. Multiple storefronts and restaurants are all nearby. We had the pleasure of meeting Smitty, the owner, a gentleman who is truly excited to share history with visitors. He really cares about the exhibit. It's lovingly curated. We were lucky enough to get a tour by Smitty. The space is warm and inviting. You get a glimpse of before, during, and after the murders in the Charlie Lawson Museum. The artifacts are rare and well displayed. The space has some eerie feelings to it. After all, it was the former home of TB Knight Funeral Home, where the eight members of the Lawson family were embalmed and prepared for burial. That's a lot of emotion for one space that was repurposed time and time again, as it was also a hotel for a time. The shop and bakery in the building are also huge draws to visitors. When we visited, we were greeted by a fun Christmas display out front. The display couldn't be more fitting in the historic and well-preserved building. Smitty also informed us about the Netflix special 28 Days Haunted that filmed on location. We couldn't have been more excited to hear the history of the Lawson family in a space that echoes tragedy and mystery from a Christmas almost 100 years ago. You can visit this space for yourself at 104 West Murphy Street, Madison, North Carolina. Elvis once sang about feeling blue at Christmas time. We would like to remind you, it's perfectly normal to feel that way. There are a variety of reasons why your days may not be merry and bright around the holiday season. It can be the jam-packed deadlines at work, the loss of a loved one, sunless winter days, or all of the above. According to the American Psychological Association, 38% of people surveyed said their stress increased during the holiday season, which can lead to physical illness, depression, anxiety, and substance misuse. There are ways in which we can prepare ourselves and hopefully deflect some of the increased stress of the holidays. It's important to realize that we do have more control than we think. If you're not feeling the holiday season, know that you are not alone. It's a difficult time for many of us. As much as possible, let your loved ones know how they can support you, whether it's helping you with shopping or meeting up for a regular walk. Often, people want to help, but don't know what to say or where to start. For my grandmother, the holidays were heavy. She had a lot of people in her life that she loved that crossed over. During the blessing of our Christmas meal, she would always include those family members who were no longer with us. She would usually cry a little every time she gave those words of remembrance. Those words helped me feel that while the holidays could be painful, that perhaps we could still find a sense of peace and balance. We wanted to take a few moments to thank you all for listening to our very first season of Curious Travels, A Morbid Travel Guide. We can't wait for season two. Season two will air May 21st, 2024. We're working on an actual imprint, Curious Travels, Morbid Travel Guide. The guide will be published every season as a dark travel zine with maps, photos, games, and even a few recipes. Please stay tuned for that and some exclusive merch. In the spring, we're planning a Curious Travels event where we can hike together and tell some spooky stories 
a long campfire. Please stay tuned. Fred and I would like to wish you all a very happy holidays. Be sure to check out CuriousTwins.com for more episodes, events, and tours. You can also follow us at Curious Twins Paranormal on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. If you enjoyed the podcast, please rate and review. We're looking forward to a new season of Curious Travels with Fred and Stephen. If you're curious, join us. We appreciate the company.